Hey, how's it going, Champagne Sharks? Hope everyone's doing well. Just wanted to uh, do some quick house cleaning, let people know. Go to ChampagneSharks.com and you get access to all the links related to Champagne Sharks. You can go there and find it all. And you can find where we are on social media, our products, all that stuff. Also, Patreon benefits, which includes Discord server, book club night, movie night discussions, show notes, newsletter, and most importantly, bonus episodes. So definitely become a patron for $5 a month at patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks. And without further ado, here is the episode. Take care. Hey, how's it going? Uh, champagne sharks. This is T. Um, champagne sharks. You know, I didn't realize till Vita said it. I think I've said this before. Uh, I've been saying a name to my own show wrong because uh, she would always say, <laughs> she would always say champagne sharks. And I would say champagne sharks. Like I put the access on the sham. Yeah. And then I was thinking about it and I was like, actually, she's right. Because when you say the word by itself, you say champagne. You don't say champagne. I was drinking champagne. So uh, she's actually right. So I should be saying champagne sharks. But I don't know. After all these years, it feels weird to change the pronunciations now. So uh, it, it's CS. Um, and <laughs> this is T. We got Kenny with us. What up? What up? You know, it's interesting. I feel like the writer's strike is uh, over. And uh, it's kind of weird because the way the writer's strike ran, mm-hmm. um, it kind of ran in the off season for most of the time. And it ended like right in the fall. Yeah, and I don't think we've really been able to like the first writer strike in two thousand eight. The way it ran, like it ran during pivotal times when they need to be filming a lot of stuff, and a lot of seasons were like shortened. And you know, I can remember like people weren't getting episodes of their favorite shows or whatever. But I feel like this time around, there was no real thing. Doesn't help too. Now we have so much freaking content compared to two thousand eight. You don't have a chance to even miss shows. So it's like, yeah. Yeah, I didn't really feel on the ground like a difference in the output of TV. Like the whole writer's strike, there were new seasons of shows coming out, things getting announced. So just something yeah. I know. I, I yeah, I, I don't know what's going on with the writer's strike as far as like, I know I've read the some of the some of the information about what they agreed to or whatever. But one of the things I know is I think you were talking about is how they all had this weird agreement on AI. And yeah, it's almost, <laughs> I don't fully understand it, to be honest. I don't really understand. It's almost like they're saying it's OK for us to use AI as long as Hollywood does. We're writers. We can use AI. Well, well at the end of the day, you're not a writer then if you're using AI. You at least saying? compared like, to the argument you were using for, yeah. why, for why the studio shouldn't use it. Somebody pointed out to me, maybe this is true. It was a way of losing and saving face, they claimed. Uh, right. Somebody said that maybe they figured AI was inevitable. So let's at least act like we're getting it on our terms. Right, um, right, right. Maybe. I mean, I don't, from the language, it doesn't seem that way, but it doesn't I mean, who seem knows? like it. Yeah, yeah. Who who knows? Um, but yeah, I mean, the funny thing is, I watch less and less TV, I watch YouTube all the time oh, now yeah. and it's not yeah. even on purpose i never said hey i'm gonna give up well i did say i was gonna give up bad tv just for the sake of content like like i told myself i'm not gonna watch things i know are bad on purpose just so i can clown it on the show because it's yeah. just not it's just not worth it and i started realizing uh when you take away the bad shows and try to only watch good shows you start realizing oh there's not really that many <laughs> good shows out there like, there isn't uh, there isn't i mean you know the funny thing is like I've been waiting for the only show I've been waiting for to come back is the power. Um, uh, what is it called? Uh, Raising Canaan. I've been waiting for that to come back. It's been almost two years since it's been on. It's supposed to come back on in December. And it's the show that's supposed to be the the the, the, the um, it's the part of power. And I, this is the only series of power I've seen. I haven't seen any of the other ones. But apparently this is like when he was a kid. 
50 Cent's mm-hmm. character. And also it's got uh Joey Badass plays in it. You know what I mean? It's got that that one lady, man. She is fine. Um, what is her name? Um I, I don't know her name, name, but I know you I know you're talking about. Uh, you know, you know what I'm talking about. about. Yeah, you know it's weird your power, uh raising Canaan. They made a power, um, ghost book two, whatever, with the son of the original ghost. And power raising Canaan is almost the exact same show, but in the eighties. Like yeah. there's there's the kid, the young kid who's like with the crew, the mother figure. Like Mary J. Blige is basically the same character as yes. that fine woman in in that show. Patina Miller. Her name is Patina Miller. Yeah, she she has like her tough son, her more more chill son. It's it's very yeah. bizarre. Like the guy just cloned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The first show, and and it's, it's, it's but uh, people like raising Canaan. But the thing I always hear people say is that uh, the Canaan character is really dumb. Like, like you get really annoyed with the, with the movie. Yeah, he, you, makes. he will get on your nerves after a while because it's almost like you could tell that he wasn't supposed to be in the drug game. He almost crowbarred him, his way in it. Although his uncles, his mom, everybody told him, Ben, you ain't even got to do this. Just go to school. But he keeps on doing dumb stuff, putting himself in the middle of it. Like, he's almost like a clout chaser. Like, he wants to be a part of this clique and a part of their drug crew because he ain't got nothing else to do. But then once he gets inside and he realizes the consequences of what comes with being a part of this, now all of a sudden he's sitting there looking stupid. You know what I'm saying? He's costing them money. He's getting people killed. He almost got himself killed a few times. Like, he starts to realize, okay, this is real. So he's got two choices, which reminds me of Snowfall with Franklin. Mm. With Franklin, Franklin Saint is, you know, in, in Snowfall, you know, Franklin sells drugs or whatever. He's selling a little bit of weed, but then he wants to step it up a little bit. And when he steps it up and gets into the cocaine business, he gets jumped and he gets robbed, right? But it still wasn't real for him. It wasn't real till he went to jail and he got his ass whooped. Yeah. And he had to make a choice. Are you going to be a part of this? Or are you going to bow out? He chose to be a part of it and went and handled his business. You know what I'm saying? So it's the same same thing going on in Raising Canaan, where it's like this maturation pro- maturation process with uh, Canaan, where eventually, you know, you could tell that, OK, he's really he's OK. He's about that life. He's he wants it, he, he wants it. Like, you you know, I always uh, I always say like there's people that in the street life, you know, um, they're in it. But they don't want it. Yeah. This dude, this dude wants it, which is dumb. You know what I'm saying? It's dumb as hell. But nevertheless, this is the role that he chose. Um, you know, this is kind of random, but not it's it's kind of related to what you're talking about. I was looking up something about uh TV shows because I was gonna try to look up something about uh Raising Canaan. Yeah, and I found this by um accident. I was looking at like for like black shows. And apparently, I don't know if we, you you probably know who he is if you see him, but this guy, Jesse Martin, this black guy, he has this new show called um The Irrational, where he's solving um mysteries or whatever. Yeah. It's like it's like a police procedural. He's a behavioral scientist that helps the police solve cases on NBC. And that motherfucker got uh four million viewers an episode, which is not bad, especially That's nowadays. Not bad at all. Yeah. But I always find it interesting, like the the TV journalism, the TV criticism, and the kind of um stuff made by the commentators and the media is so out of touch with what people want in a very real way. Like I feel like back in the days there wasn't that much TV, and like the people who wrote about TV would write about stuff that people were actually watching. They write about growing pains. They'd write about you know the Cosby Show, whatever was on Family TV. Ties, yeah, yeah. But now that we have this like kind of prestige TV, like this stuff on streaming and HBO and you know like the kind of highbrow um, yeah type of TV now it's like TV critics write about that so they'll write about stuff like Succession 
and all this stuff, which is, you know, might be a good show, stuff like White Lotus or, you know, even something like Snowfall, which would be good shows, but don't get a lot of ratings. But the stuff that nobody's writing about, that'll be the stuff that you look it up and it's getting like five, six million mm-hmm. uh, viewers. And I noticed it too with stuff like Saturday Night Live. I don't watch Saturday Night Live, really. No. Sometimes if I'm up and somebody I like is hosting it, I'll tune in out of curiosity. And the big thing I noticed about Saturday Night Live, you can tell why it uh, doesn't have a cultural imprint anymore. Um, old Saturday Night Live, they would spoof and make fun of the most mainstream oh, yeah. stuff. Oh, yeah. Comment on the most basic bitch news. Like, you know yep. what I mean? And they gave it like a wide appeal. But now the stuff that Saturday Night Live is commentating on and, you know. Nobody knows what the hell it is. Yeah. It's it, it, it it's, it's Twitter. It's Twitter um, discourse. Yeah. It's, it, yep. it's New York that, Magazine. That- Discord. That's also what made In Living Color really popular is what they would spoof. Remember, um, Jim Carrey did the uh, Vanilla Ice parody on um, In Living Color years ago. Oh, yeah. They, they made the fun of Sonic Brothers, Saving yeah. Children. Yeah, they made yeah. fun of the most mainstream stuff. Yeah, yeah. And now it's like they'll be... Yeah, it, it, it's it's basically social media discourse that, that they are... Or like on New York media discourse. And I'm like, okay, somebody in like Idaho, Arkansas... Is they have no getting, idea. Yeah, they're not gonna be getting these jokes. You know? to, this is what I want to know: is when is when is media or just uh, you know Hollywood gonna break away from quote unquote rip from the headlines or rip from Twitter? When are they gonna get away from this shit? Because I don't understand how they have not realized that that doesn't work. They've become self cannibalizing, as in they only make stuff about themselves or um... is it? Let me ask you a question. I mean to cut you off. Let me yeah. ask you a question. But is are they doing it because the people that are creating this stuff they're addicted to Twitter too? I mean, I think it's definitely the case. I think New York media people are definitely addicted to social media. But I also think there's this kind of thing now where I think back in the days you kind of had to watch some stuff out of your comfort zone because there just wasn't that much stuff to watch. You right. know what I mean? And and I give an example like. Uh, I'm sure you have examples of stuff that you watched as a kid that wasn't made for you at all. Like, like for me, oh, like I fuck. remember married with children. Easily. Yeah, married with children. Uh, I remember uh, a bunch of us in school. We all watched Golden Girls. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's like, what choice do we have? That's all that. That's that's what was on. That's you all know? that was on TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You watch stuff like Golden Girls. You watch Dukes of Hazard. They got a big Confederate. Yeah, Murder flag She Wrote. The, yeah, yeah. Murder She Wrote. You watch all this stuff. Now you don't have to watch anything that's remotely out of your comfort zone. Like if I nope. like watching some superhero. I can watch like um, Star Wars and superhero stuff on Disney Plus. Uh, and I can watch around. it every day. I would just yeah. thank you. Yeah, you just said it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if I like um, um, Blavity, Buzzfeed, Black type shows, you know, like um, those those suburban black shows, I can just watch a whole bunch of stuff. Like mm-hmm. uh, there's stuff I never even heard of coming out. I'm like, when did this even air? It's like on season three and on Hulu or something. <laughs> Right. Yeah, yeah. So people, I think that's kind of the problem too, that these people, but on top of that, I think it's increasingly common now with the culture war stuff. Nobody wants to watch anything that remotely has the wrong representation or wrong yes. politics on both sides. So it's like, if you're like a white, right-leaning guy and some show comes out and the lead is like a black woman with braids, you're like, oh, this shit is woke. I'm not going to watch this. And then yeah. in the reverse, like, if you're an intersectional feminist or a representations matter black guy and they send show you a show and it's like, hey, this is about 
a white cis man who works at an office. It's like, oh, no, I don't need representation. You know, um, we have too many, too much white cis male representation. Like, yes, I think that's a problem too. Like people make equity. They're, they're more worried about appealing to certain sections of society instead of making a good show. Because what'll happen yeah. is these people will say, "Oh, you guys need to make a show that's about this," and and then motherfuckers never watch the shit anyway. We found that. We figured that out quick. Oh, you know what I'm saying? I, I, I'll give you a great example, but, but but I don't want to cut you off. Are you done? No, no. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, I'll give you a great example. There's this show. We did an episode on it. Uh, the book. I read the book and I had some guests on talk about the book. And the book was called The Other Black Girl. It was a terrible book. It was yeah. one of those wannabe... Um, it's one of those wannabe get out type things, you know. Yeah. There was some kind of secret conspiracy and hair products to control black women and turn oh, them. Oh, fucking sellouts. they clone Tyrone, basically. Yeah, yeah. Basically, they there's so many books and shows like that, you know, that are clearly inspired by you know Get Out, where there's some kind of um, plot to um get black people or whatever and, and a lot of them involve products like and, and they clone tyrone was it something with malt liquor or am i, am I it was everything in they clone tyrone it was everything yeah. it was in the cereal it was a liquor it was all kinds of shit yeah this this had a very similar plot um but it was really bad like they clone tyrone to me wasn't as good as it could be but i think we all agreed it wasn't terrible it just wasn't, no, it wasn't like, terrible yeah it no. wasn't terrible like it just wasn't amazing no this book was terrible. This book had no business um, being written. It needed like two more editors or something. But yeah. um, what happened is they made a show out of it. I was very sure the show was going to be quietly canceled after the uh, the Great Correction. You know, no, they, the um, the backlash to the Great Awakening. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. I was like, so a lot of these shows that were being given out when there was like a lot of free money everywhere and they were just drawing anything at the screen that, you know, was was woke post George Floyd. It was a, it was um, greenlit to get a show, the book. The, it was greenlit for an adaptation before the book was even published. There was a bidding war right. for it. Wow. But it was, um, I think maybe it was just too expensive to not make because they spent seven, they spent seven figures uh, for the option. So I didn't hear about it for a long time. And lo and behold, they announced uh, Rashida Jones' daughter, you know, the, 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 the show's happening and she's doing it and they're filming it. And I was like, oh shit, they're actually filming this thing. I was very surprised. What happened was that the show came out and I didn't want to watch it because I'm like, the book was so bad. I don't want to watch it even just to clown it for the show because we already clowned the book. So, so what's the point? Right. But when the trailer came out, the trailer on YouTube did MCU trailer numbers. Like it was getting millions of views and thousands of comments. And I'm like, something's funny here. There's no way this show could be, um, you know, getting that, that many views for the trailer on YouTube. It makes It makes no sense, you know? I'll tell you what, what the number is. It's like, the, okay, Hulu has 2.28 million subscribers, right? Their YouTube channel. The trailer got 11 million views. Mm, there's something fishy going on. Yeah. I'm like, you guys are paying like some kind of uh, Taiwanese click farm or something. Uh, <laughs> somewhere so, in so, India or something like yeah, that. Yeah, somewhere in India, in, in Singapore, someplace, you know, you're just paying some people or, you know, you got a bunch of bots or something, you know, like, I don't know what the hell, but there's no way. How do you have five times the viewers to this uh, trailer than you have actual subscribers? subscribers? Yeah. But on top of that, 11 million views, 1,000 814 comments, which is like that's less than one. Yeah, oh, that's oh, yeah, that is 
that that ratio right there tells you. Yeah, it's like that, point, point zero one percent. Get the fuck out. Yeah, here. that that engagement is minuscule. That's when yeah. you really know, like the the no, the level of engagement is always going to me at least is always yep. going to tell the real story. You know what I mean? Views that could be somebody clicked on it and clicked right the hell off or something. You know what I mean? Like who knows exactly. how long they watched it or whatever. You know? Yeah, you can even get a bot to do that. You know. Uh, so what you don't even need like a human being to do it. They, they showed this on Click Farm, and they had this wall of phones that they had tied to some machine, and all these phones were just like uh, clicking the same thing over and over again. Like, like they actually have like literal like walls of devices that will do do stuff. It's, it's, I don't know how they make it happen, but it was uh crazy to see. And and then sometimes they get actual human kids to do this stuff too, who are really poor. But uh, it had twenty four thousand likes, which is again, it's still easy. It's easy to gain, but that's it's, insane. Uh, it's still way smaller than eleven million views. But then yeah. the comments are the hardest to do. You know, it's hard to pay comments, and the comments are one thousand eight hundred fourteen. So I'm like, this is gonna be some bullshit. Like, I, like I want to see what what kind of ratings this is gonna get. But you know, Hulu <laughs> doesn't release ratings very easily. You have to like kind of like Netflix, yeah. Yeah. I wonder how many of the comments were like bot comments. You know what I mean? Like you, you guys go see these, um, like some of these viral Instagram posts and stuff like that, where you know everybody's commenting on it, and then all of a sudden you see this one comment. Oh my gosh! I can't believe this person saved my life. If it wasn't for them, I would yeah. be broke. And you know what I mean? <laughs> like I wonder yeah. how many of those were in the in the comment section. But something they have too now. Um, they revealed recently. In some kind of um, financial report that some company did, and somebody found this, uh, they have these PR companies now. Uh, this PR company was advertising its services, and they were listing shows that, that they did this for, which was, uh, I guess, they didn't expect people to find it. But apparently, a lot of these PR services, one of the things they do is they offer people like um, clicks. Like, we have a team of people who will write reviews and create fake buzz for your, for your thing. So uh, there is proof that there is a service out there with some PR places where they will actually have um, um, a staff of people whose job it is. So they might have like maybe five people and they're like, okay, um, each of you do 200 comments today. Um, you know, spend a, spend a couple of days, do 200 comments, you know, and then go home. Might get a bunch of attempts maybe. And they're making like uh, <laughs> new accounts, new names, you know, I mean, that's gotta be a horrible way to make money. Like, you know, I, I, that's I gotta be, it. yeah, that's a horrible job. Yeah. It, it's like, it's like worse than like being a telemarketer or something like on hour eight, you're like, Oh, I really felt that black lives mattered watching this show. You and they probably, this- and they, they probably make you have a certain amount of, uh, posts a day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But like, I couldn't find the ratings, right? But I'm like, somebody pointed this out to me and they said, why don't you look on Rotten Tomatoes and see what type of um, user reviews are there? Because, you know, that's a good way to tell, like, uh, user reviews. So I went there and it had like 100 user reviews and they were like mostly low. It was like um, slammed. So it's like, okay, so this trailer got um, 11 million views, supposedly. 1,800 comments on 11 million views. And then a hundred people um doing user reviews and they're almost all bad so it's like uh to go to what you were saying like i just think you know there's a lot of fake there's one thing to fudge the numbers shows. like it like like if, okay how many views did it have 11 million mm-hmm. i mean if it had a million views people wouldn't question it but yeah. you just had to fucking go <laughs> all the way over the edge to 11 mil- more views than you have subscribers like it's not even it doesn't even make sense like people don't People don't do that anymore. People aren't going to go and just, you know, they don't just, they just don't do that. You know, so it's just very odd. And I don't see how they thought it was a good idea. Like, 
Dude, and, stop and, it. And to compare, just see how crazy it is, uh, a month before that trailer came out, so that trailer came out a month ago. I got 11 million in one month. Um, there's an MCU trailer for the next uh, MCU movie. Uh, Marvel Entertainment has 20 million subscribers, and they got 18 million uh, views, but that's the MCU movie. People right. are going to tune in to that trailer like crazy. So you mean to tell me this Hulu show that's extremely niche got, you know, uh, views on par with like an MCU trailer. Like that's the, well, when, that's you, when you talk about, see, when you talk about MCU, you're talking about everybody, mid, exactly. middle America, the hood, everybody. The most broad appeal product. Yes. But when you're talking about this random niche Hulu show and you say 11 million views, you're basically saying ba- the same people looked at it. You're full of shit. Yeah. <laughs> we know there's better. nobody should be remotely close. No, we know it's a lie. <laughs> that's how they shoot them. That's how Hollywood always shoots themselves in the foot. They just start doing shit nobody told them to do. Like, bro, yeah, just exactly. let it or- let it let it grow organically. You know what I'm saying? Maybe people might end up liking it. Maybe it might end up being a niche show where people kind of tune into it. Let it grow. But when you do that, 11 million, and then and the show hasn't came on yet, right? Oh, no. Uh, it came on. That's how, like, um, it got 100. Um, the views I was talking about, I said it got 100 views in Rotten Tomatoes. It's from peop- regular people who watched it. Okay, so if it's uh, only 100 comments, 100 views, where's the, where's the other 10,900? Yeah, exactly. Whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't make sense. Yes, it's very, very bizarre. Um, yes, so Mario, we're talking about how Hollywood doesn't uh, really have a at least the hollywood media doesn't really have a pulse on mass entertainment anymore they're like talking about too many niche shows you know and uh a lot of stuff they talk about the most will have the the least amount of actual even within that hundred a lot of them look fake i forgot to mention that part because what you would get is you get a bunch of them look real saying this was mid this was bad like one star two star maybe three and suddenly you get three or four Five stars, especially positive reviews. Then yeah. it go back to one star again. <laughs> Just feel like, like yeah. little burst of five star reviews. They I'm like, sent, okay, they send somebody over there to comment on it. That's all. I'm yeah, cover they were, all their bases. They were like, this is getting slammed. Can you go over there and just uh? And the person would just do a little burst of uh, positive reviews before the yeah. negative ones resume. So even that hundred, I think you can't even trust. No, you can't trust it. <laughs> <laughs> Hell no, you can't trust nothing coming out of Hollywood these days. Yeah, I mean, since whatever when it, when they when they went to the point to where every show that they created, like I think me and Mario talked about this. There was a um, horror movie called Get uh, uh, Wrong Turn, and it was a reboot version. And I've seen the original, you know what I'm saying? But the reboot came out, this is probably 2019, 2020. I can't remember when that one came out. But you can just tell, like, it's not a good movie because they immediately started talking about identity shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, the movie just started, and it's all these group of kids, you know what I'm saying, from liberal cities, and they're in the middle of nowhere in some West Virginia town. And they go inside this restaurant or slash bar, and everybody in there is hillbilly-ish you know, very looking, uh, ultra conservative looking and all the, 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 the young people are, you know, from the big city and you know, you know what I mean? And then all of a sudden one of the kids starts talking about how he's gay and all this, Oh, they're going to do this because I'm gay. And we're like, I'm looking, looking at the movie, like what the fuck's that got to do with anything? How would they, how these hillbillies know in the middle of nowhere in West Virginia that you're gay? 
Like it just starts turning into all of this stuff, and it's just like, okay, all right. I mean, they did it in the last Terminator movie. You know what I'm saying? Like it was. I was yeah. like, really? What, what are we doing? Like, I don't want to watch it, not because of that, but because you're crowbarring. You know what I'm saying? You're crowbarring this shit because, like me and me and T was saying before you got on Mario, these people get on social media and start cry- crying and complaining about what they want to see in movies, but these same people don't watch the movies. Yeah, they flop every single time. Yeah, and these they movies always they flop popping, all the yeah. time. And then then Hollywood is trying not to get canceled, quote unquote canceled, these producers and writers and shit. They try not to get canceled. So now they won't just make that one movie people complained about. They'll make every movie like yeah. that. I'm like, bro, you're doing too much. Yeah, that's exactly. I forgot to give the context, Mario, but but that's why I was bringing up that other black girl story. Because we were talking about how social media will lead you jump off a cliff, you know, if you're uh someone who greenlights stuff, because you you'll see all this in fake engagement and then <laughs> when when it's time for the people to show up, it's like on um no, I'm just gonna, I'm we've just talked be here about this before though. We've talked about this before where um you know, the initial pop from social media with all that could be misleading because the people, let's say, for example, even the the initial reaction to a trailer or whatever is, is super positive. A lot of this stuff doesn't have any real staying power. You know what I'm saying? No. Like the, they'll give little engagement for the, in the beginning, but then they won't support it once it's in full swing and, they, and ultimately they end up failing, man. So I don't know what, what they're looking at when they look at their demographics, but um, clearly they're not including you know finances financial status into those into those demographics because a lot of these people they just don't support shit they want like shit free <laughs> they won't they're not gonna leave twitter to go watch your movie homie and if they do yeah, they'll probably post that shit on twitter or something yeah. it better be twitter <laughs> movies or something <laughs> man hey man don't get that stupid motherfucker eli any elon any ideas you know it's crazy. Twitter's actually broken now. Um, that actually makes too much sense for him to it do. Does. Yeah. It does. He, it he, does. He won't do shit that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like all yeah. his moves are like, you know, I don't like this logo. I'm, I'm gonna change it. You know what I mean? Or why the hell are we able to block people? You know, it's just dumb right. shit. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know if you guys um, know this, but Twitter, the the actual uh, system after he took over and he fired all the engineers, it's so broken. You can put whole movies and games like there were a whole like two oh, hours I've topic. seen a whole movies on Twitter before yeah so I wouldn't be surprised oh, yeah. if on top of that people are just pirating the shit on Twitter like yeah. like I was gonna put the movie on Twitter and that way you know now people really don't have to leave leave Twitter um they'll pirate it and stay on Twitter at the same time right so that's gonna make things even worse um you want to talk about a, like a woke movie I didn't watch this one but it was a perfect example just from the premise about how the whole woke horror movie thing was getting out of control. They had a horror movie. Did you guys hear about it with Kevin Bacon? It was called uh, They Them. No. And, and it was a slasher pronoun about um, gender. No, no, it was a slasher movie about gender questioning teens and their counselor. And I was like, why would you think that lends itself to a slasher movie? I mean, I had no idea how they executed it. Based on the, is, based is, on the is reviews. Kevin, is Kevin Bacon living on Skid Row or something? Like, what's going on with him, man? God damn. I have no idea why he'd even take that movie but i mean it, it got 33 percent on rotten tomatoes and i was like I, i'm not i don't need to watch it to know it's bad but just the premise this sounded uh horrible i think it came out during the pandemic i mean the pandemic i think was uh peak wokeness peak scamming peak grifting whatever oh, yeah. so i feel like it's never been that bad since it's all been kind of recording i mean think about all the scamming and weird things that have happened since then um all the streamers had been forced to admit they're not profitable and have been forced to uh, cut costs and cut content 
Like all that glitter content is is gone. They've all been forced to do layoffs. And the activism side, you had the Black Lives Matter thing getting busted, that Ibram Kendi guy. Um, so many people who just collected money that uh people don't know where the money went, you know what I mean? And and PPP loans, like all this stuff. I just feel like there was this window from like 2016 to the height of the pandemic where it's like it's a wide open field. Yeah. Rift, lie, scam. Get your TV or movie pitch approved that has no rational way it's going to get an audience, you know, but uh, just talk some identity academia talk to get your pitch approved and get it out there. And it's like, uh, when you look back, it feels like it's 20 years ago. Like, you know, I'm talking about like, hey, remember when there was like a neo pronouns horror movie? And I looked at the day, I'm like, wait a minute, that was 2022. It was, yeah, man. I, I'm talking about like it was a really weird, crazy time so long ago. I'm like, no, that was like a That's year right and now. two months. Ago. Yeah, it was, it was a year and two months ago that, that yeah. happened. The culture has changed so hard on a dime in just a year. Yeah, the words you got Kevin Lu- Kevin Bacon from Footloose doing a, <laughs> doing a movie called They Them about a slasher. Like, bro, he must have got hit with a tax bill or something. He wasn't expecting. Oh, dude, he, like, hey, man, he was on that on that Wesley Snipes right there, man. <laughs> Shit, I'm surprised he didn't shoot it over in Europe, you know, like what Wesley Snipes was doing. His accountant forgot to carry a zero or something. And right. <laughs> he was like, fuck, I, I got to do this day that movie. Just give me anything. 65-year-old Kevin Bacon, man. Come on, bro. Oh, he's, he's 65? Yeah. Oh, for, for a white man, he ages well, man. Like, yeah, man. A white what guy the what, what's, the, what's the name of that movie uh, he was in? Me and Mario. Mario, you was telling me about it. wondering if it aged well, about the kids going to prison. Oh, that one's disturbing. I, I know oh, what you're talking about. Damn, um, damn, I forget. I can't. The juvenile hall. Right yeah, they was like in a juvenile prison, and they what was, was it sleepers. Sleepers. Yeah, that's it. Sleepers. That's a good one. You know, we go from that to a. That's a great movie that I will never watch a second time. <laughs> that movie's fucked up, man. Yeah, you ever seen those movies where it's like you'll never watch it a second time, but it's not because it wasn't good. It was a great movie. It was just too disturbing. Like, oh yeah, yeah, great movie. I will never rewatch. Uh. But yeah, we actually wanted to talk about, we were just uh, killing times when Mario came on. We want to talk about uh, the Tupac killing. It's like a hell of a segue. <laughs> but the, know, right? the Tupac murder. And the reason I wanted both uh, you guys here is because I don't really understand any of this. But it's so fascinating to me. So this one is one where I'm going to be more like a fly in the wall. But uh, uh, this whole... For years, I've I've been hearing about how everybody knows, or it's like an open secret, who supposedly killed Tupac and uh, who supposedly killed uh, Biggie. I know for Biggie, it was like some Orlando, was that some Orlando character or something? No, it was some guy that they said was wearing a bow tie and... It was like some old, it was a guy named Russell something that came up with his own theory and they leaned uh-huh. more towards conspiracies than anything. And people were kind of like going along with that conspiracy. Let me get the guy's name. Uh, Biggie Smalls. Well, yeah, Orlando Anderson was involved with the with the Tupac uh, rumor. I'm sorry. Yeah, I forget who was rumored to have killed Russell him. Poole. They were going. Okay. So Russell Poole was a guy that had his own theory about what happened to Biggie Smalls. He was a um, he was a, a detective in L.A. He's dead now. He died in 2015, which is a, a whole nother thing where everybody involved in this situation is dead, which is crazy. That's the, yeah. that's the craziest thing. Like, yep. bro, at, at a certain point, it just kind of makes you want to stay away from the shit. This is some fucking you know bad luck like, shit. Yeah. 
Russell Poole was a hip hop cop, right? That, that's what they called him, right? Yeah, he was a hip hop yeah. cop. Yeah, based yeah, out he of wrote LA. A book, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he did write a book. Uh, oh, Russell years Poole ago. Is I think I read that book. Russell too. Poole is dead too. Yeah, Russell Poole's dead. Oh, I didn't that's know that. That's crazy. How did he pass away? Uh, year 2015. Yeah, he had a heart attack. Heart attack. Yeah. Yeah, he had a heart attack. But Russell Poole's theory Damn. about who killed Biggie Smalls was a lot different than what the streets was saying. So Russell Poole was saying that police officer David Mack and a friend of his, a guy named Amir Muhammad, which there's really only a sketch of this guy. Like there is no pictures of this dude. You know what I'm saying? He was saying that he's the one that killed Biggie Smalls, you know, paid off by Suge Knight, yada, 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 yada. You know what I'm saying? And and it led more into the conspiracy that uh, Suge Knight had Tupac killed and all this kind of, but now Russell Poole's stuff, he only talked about uh, Biggie Smalls. He didn't talk about the Tupac stuff. And, right. but he had a lot of information. But when I first saw Greg Kading's investigation, it made, to, for me, now I don't know about Mario, but for me, it made more logical sense. I, I've never been the one that said the government killed Tupac because he was doing this. And do, I'm, I'm, I've never been a person yeah. that believed that the federal damn government gives two shits about a loudmouth rapper and the crew that he surrounds. Because honestly, at the age I am now thinking about this, why would they need to do this? That was a whole self-destructive situation to begin yeah. with. The federal and, government and, didn't need to get involved. And and any chance that Tupac was going to lead some kind of revolution yeah. had long passed. <laughs> long passed. Yeah. Long passed. Yeah, he was just talking about uh, doing that, uh, how do you like it video and, and <laughs> California Dreamer, the X rated version, yeah, yeah. X rated version. Like, he was he was off that on that on that road. So, people were acting, it's weird. People act like Tupac, they took a certain moment in Tupac's career, it just made it his whole life that he was like a some kind of uh new Black Panther all the way till the end. And I'm like, y'all already remember what he was doing the last couple of years, he was just getting Tupac, in fights. Tupac, was, you know, what's crazy is that Tupac had a three year run, yeah, 93 to 96. That was it. Because before that, about it, but you're right, you're right. He had a three year run before that. People wasn't really buying Tupac's music. It was Me Against the World that came out in 1994. Then all of a sudden he became sex symbol Tupac because at the same time he had just did um, Poetic Justice because he wasn't a sex symbol coming out for Juice. Yeah, Let's no. just keep it real. Poetic Justice with Janet Jackson, like that's a big, that was a big deal. That was a yeah. really big deal. So you get that. And I believe Poetic Justice came out in with a, with a cameo by uh, Q Tip. Um, yeah, he died in the opening. Uh, yeah, not the yeah, opening even, scene, but the the opening, uh, the montage, beginning of the movie. Yeah. He, yeah, the beginning of the movie. He recently revealed uh, that he was apparently dating uh, Janet Jackson at the same time. Yeah, he was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, so Justice comes out in '93. Me Against the World comes out in '94. Tupac gets shot. He goes to jail. Comes out. The vibe. The vibe awards happens in '95. He puts out All Eyes on Me. He dies in 1996. That's it. That's really it. So, and and I'll always say this, and I hate to be one of those people, but unless you was there, I can remember there was a lot of people that did not like Tupac back in the day. People did not like Tupac. Yeah, uh, Pac didn't records. really grow on me until, shit, man, all eyes on me. My yeah. homeboy was a huge Tupac fan since the Strictly For My Nigga days. Like, he, right. he, he was a huge Tupac fan. Yeah. But um, I, I just really was, I liked when my homies called and, and a couple of other, uh, of course, you know, Brenda's got a baby, keep your head up, all that type of stuff. But um, I just wasn't really a huge Tupac fan. I like um, his early stuff, but when he yeah. 
change his rhyme style. He said, I've, I've said this before, but he had this rhyme style and I've tried to get back into it and I just can never get past. The one way he goes like, quit a pounder with the cheese from my enemies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He started doing that when he got with the outlaws, didn't he? Like, yeah. Is, yeah. is that when he started doing that? Yeah. yeah he, didn't, he didn't rap like that back in the day. No, he, he did. didn't always rap. He used to rap like like, like regular. And then and I revisited. I tried Machiavelli again. And I'd get into it. And then he'd get to a point where he's, he's, he's. I'm like, oh, I, I just drives me nuts but there's a couple of songs i think it was was talented oh for sure for sure there's a couple songs where it where it kind of fit the uh that that cadence that you're saying it fit the the thing but i think he just kind of got stuck on that like yeah he did the the whole yeah yeah, because he wasn't the only one that did that other people would do it but he was the only one that made that his wall-to-wall style and that just the whole album was was that i think the first time i heard him do that was in uh ambitions of a writer and it was fitting for that but then he just in my opinion, he just yeah. took he it with everything. The, yeah, he ran into the ground. Like it was uh and people forget that he didn't always rap that way. Like his first uh album or two, he wasn't doing that. No, it, no. I wonder if it was because he the beats that he was getting from the West Coast were so much different from the stuff that he was getting earlier. Yeah, because if you if you think about it, when Tupac, you know, I always called Tupac the orphan of hip hop. Like Tupac is from mm. New York. He raps like a New York rapper, but he was in the Bay Area with E40 and Richie Rich and all these Bay Area artists, and he didn't sound anything spice one. Like they had a distinct sound. Mm. And Tupac was always like trying to fit, and he he made it work. It was cool. It was dope. But it did. It it was. You could tell that that was his. Um, I always looked at Tupac as a Bay Area rapper. I never looked at him as a LA rapper. You know what I'm saying? Because I remember him rapping with all the Bay Area dudes. And when he got with uh, Death Row, he wasn't with Death Row very long. He was with for a year, and then he died. You know what I'm saying? But I just remember a lot of his features. There was a lot of mixtapes uh, mm. that would come out. JT JT the bigger figure. Mac Dre, E40, Spice One. He was on their music. Yeah, I think one of the reasons why he seemed to be in death row longer than he was is because he recorded such an ungodly amount of albums oh the yeah a lot he of was music. there yeah and yeah. it came out for like years and years so yeah. there's so many death row albums i think people start thinking he was on there longer than he was when people say he was recording uh day day in day out like he knew yeah. something was gonna happen his there. work ethic was was bar none i mean prince yeah. level work ethic yeah. like the dude i'll worked. tell you yeah he he wanted uh a lot of the death row artists give him uh attribute their their switch to working hard to him you know yeah. snoop mm-hmm. even talks about that i remember um now that i'm thinking about his catalog and some of the features that he was on he, him and mc breed had a real nice yep, him and mc breed yeah they had a real nice feature i gotta get mine you gotta get yours yep. I yeah, yeah, that's one. one of my favorite that's one of my favorite uh old school songs matter of fact i forgot all about that yeah that man. second mc breed album was nice matter of fact now that i'm thinking about it i'm off getting off track here but you guys got me thinking about old music now. <laughs> what is what does no one talk about mc breed I, I haven't thought about him in so long like like does he do yeah. anything on the underground does he produce does he, he, he died he passed he, away MC breed oh, passed he died? Away long yeah years yeah, ago he passed away oh i didn't yeah, know cancer. wow Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, MC Breed died probably around 2006, 2007, something like that. Was it that long ago? Yeah, man, it was a while ago. He had cancer, some type of cancer. Yeah, I had no, I had no idea he died. Yeah, 2008. He died in 2008. God dang, it was that long ago? Yeah, he's from Flint, Michigan. Yeah, he died a long time ago. Oh, well, I didn't know that. I mean, I knew he died, but I didn't hear, know. You don't hear Michigan rappers talk about him. Eminem, Bodie yeah. James. I've never heard them bring up MC Breed in the DFC. No, he the most that he, he ever... Dope. The most that he ever got was uh, they played some of his music in the Eight Mile movie. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you guys remember the scene where they were, I think they were driving around or something, and you could hear the song I was just talking about. You, yeah. Uh, you got yep. get get yours. They uh they were playing that. But that but MC I, Bree, he sounded like a he sounded like a Bay Area rapper. You know what I'm saying? He sounded like he was from the mm-hmm. Bay. You yeah, know, I like he was ain't no, remember Ain't No Future in Your Frontin'? Yeah, yeah. I was from California, yeah. so I looked it up. Yeah, no, he's from Michigan. Yeah. Well, you got to remember, um, at that particular time, man, like it wasn't a whole lot of, you know, it was East Coast, West Coast were the two big, um, were the two big regions. And then there was a whole lot going on in the South and the Midwest. But of course, you knew New York wasn't, wasn't giving it no shine. So a lot of those dudes linked up with the West Coast yeah. and put out a lot of music, yep. put out a lot yep. of music. I've been saying that for years, man. I've been saying like a lot of these, uh, uh, what's his name, um, from rap a lot, uh, that people always help they're afraid of. Oh, uh, Jay Prince. Uh, Jay Prince. Jay Prince, Mean Green. All these dudes would have the Jay Prince, Prince presents, Mean Green presents, Master P. You know what I'm saying? And you look mm-hmm. at the features, all Bay Area rappers. Right. All, all Bay Area rappers, especially specifically E40 and the Click. They were always doing music with rappers from the South. Yeah, for sure. They always did stuff with rappers from the South and then the Midwest kind of got pop. MC Bree was kind of like the first yeah. Midwest rapper that, that really kind of, well, him and, uh, him and, um, Twister. Twister. A lot of people didn't yeah. know about Twister either, but, um, they got big because dudes out here was, was fucking with him heavy. And, yeah. uh, then that's when Bone Thugs and Harmony kind of jumped yeah. onto the scene as well. Yeah. You know, Bone was the one that really first like blew up, blew up. I mean, they blew up. Blew yeah. Up. They were yeah. huge on the West Coast. Huge. Yeah. They were huge everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. yeah they, everywhere. They, they were, yeah. They were yeah. the hottest group in hip hop until Outkast blew up. Yeah, I think yep. Bone Thugs was probably the, the in terms of uh, commercial success. I think they were probably the biggest. Yeah, they was on Saturday Night Live. They've been, I think they've been on Saturday Night Live a few times. I think they're a big deal. You know, that's one thing I'll say about uh, Biggie because you know New York gets a reputation for not, uh, you know, putting on other uh, types of rap. But I remember when he put mm-hmm. Bone Thugs on that uh, song. Uh, that was a cold British. song. That's a cold ass song, and I remember yeah. that made a lot of New Yorkers, um, you know, kind of get over a lot of their uh, snobbiness toward the stuff. I remember uh, uh-huh. people playing that song all over New York, and I think. Uh, that song had a big, big effect on getting people. That and Jay Z, Big Pimpin. I think are two songs yeah. that really, ooh, that really yeah, that was Southern big... rap over on the yeah. East Coast. Yeah, yeah, that definitely, definitely, man. You know, uh, too, you know, the thing about Biggie Smalls is Biggie Smalls was a huge Too Short fan. He put Too Short on his album. I didn't even know that. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I, this one thing I always say about because I love Biggie Smalls, man. The way his his lyrics, his rhymes, everything. None Biggie Smalls should be alive today. Oh yeah. You know what I'm saying? Just jumping back into the main topic. Biggie Small should be alive today. You know what I'm saying? If it wasn't for a lot of... St- I'm not going to just blame... Go- yeah, and, and the thing about it is, is it Tupac's fault? Yeah. 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 Because you, Tupac you. knew that Biggie Smalls and them didn't have nothing to do with him getting shot in that studio. And he he knows it because there's interviews with Greg Nice from Nice and Smooth, and Greg Nice and Tupac was real close. And uh, Big Daddy yeah. Kane. They were all close. Yeah. And when I found out that Greg Nice and Tupac were close, that was one of the weirdest yeah. <laughs> things I ever had. Uh, yeah, because Smooth Beats has a lot of stories about Tupac, too. And yeah, like, they were close. Is, yeah. They maintain to this day that Pac knows exactly who, who got it. He knows it. He said it in the song. He said it in, in the song um, um, Against All Odds. He said that dude named that shot him. So the thing mm-hmm. about it is, is like, but going back to what I was saying, Greg Nice told Tupac, hey, man, stop hanging around them dudes. 
Like them dudes is bad news. Haitian Jack and uh, what's Jimmy Henchman? Uh, Jimmy Henchman. Jimmy Henchman. Too, right? yeah. yeah. He told them they were bad news. Tupac didn't listen. So when what whatever they got into it about, I don't remember what they got into it about. And Tupac got shot. They were trying to rob him. You know what I'm saying? They weren't going to shoot him. They were going to try to rob him. And then Tupac tried to pull his own pistol out. You know what I'm saying? So he goes upstairs and he's looking at everybody losing his mind and shit. And then all of a sudden, in his own mind, he created a narrative basically saying that they might not have done it, but they knew those dudes was there. And it's like, nah, bro. You know what I'm saying? And and even and even if they did know those dudes was there, you wasn't supposed to be around them dudes anyway. Mm-hmm. You was dealing with scandalous dudes. Why do I have to jump in the way of a gun after I already told you not to be around them? You know this what is a recurring theme about him. Pac, he was always uh, a real paranoid kind of dude. Very paranoid. Yeah. 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 yeah, you know, from what I remember, um, there was a documentary that came out years ago, man, um, where it was interviewing a lot of his partners from the Bay Area, mm-hmm. and uh, they were talking about him and kind of talking about how he was when he first came out to that area. What, what was that area that that Pac was from up there in the Bay? It wasn't Mar- that was Marin City, Marin City, right, yeah, right, right, Marin City, yeah. Um, then they say he started claiming Oakland or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was all, that was a source of contention with him. It seemed like he just, wherever he was at, he would just fall in line with, yeah. with, with that, you know, fall in love with that area and start claiming it or something. It was like, he's it was a, real he's, he's an orphan. Of, he's a, he's an orphan of hip hop. Yeah. yeah. He's always yeah. looking for a home. But I feel like everybody knew somebody like that. Like I remember in college, I used to have a friend of mine. Every year he had a new thing. Like one year is Mr. Hip Hop. And then every summer vacation, he'd come up with a new identity. Like next year, he was Mr. House Music. And he was just like, <laughs> he'd be like, what's this dude going to be next? I remember by the time he graduated. <laughs> He had he, he was, he was a, a Latino cat. By the time he graduated, he was um into the grunge. Like like he made a full oh damn pop, damn he turned into a gothic to, person. I thought yeah. you were gonna say even I thought you were gonna say like reggae or something. <laughs> no, yeah. no he, he, it was coming to school dressing but, like Terrence Trent Darby and shit. Yeah, like he he had like one of those very impressionable like like he's one of those people you hung out with somebody long enough he'd pick up an accent. He's one of those like, I feel like. Tupac oh yeah, I know. Him. I know people like okay, that. I know oh people like yeah. That. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Tup- Tupac kind of reminds me of, of of the hip hop version of that guy. It's one thing to respect wherever you were. I mean, if you're somewhere for long enough, you're gonna pick up the lingo and stuff like that. That's of not course. that's not surprising. Yeah. But you know, to like just I don't know, it was just weird, man. Like I know a girl I went to high school with it that. Um, it was she didn't have that, but what she would do was like attach herself to people that she barely even knew, and mm-hmm. then make it seem like they've been best friends forever. Oh, I know people Dude, like that too. <laughs> the weirdest shit, bro. Like, what, uh, like what is wrong with you? All of a I sudden, was, that's your best friend. Yeah, I yeah, understand, like, but yeah, go ahead. You know somebody for two months, and then it's like you've been BFF forever. Like it's just the weirdest thing, and then she just like like well, always want to be involved in everything and make it seem like she was constantly in the mix. And like, yeah, that's bro, somebody they looking for a home, man. You don't, you don't even know. You know. But then when you peel back the layers on Tupac, and then you see his background and the lack of you know uh, parental guidance, family. Uh, there's a lot of stuff. You know what I'm saying? The people that he calls his mentors are all in prison political prisoners and and the thing you know that happened saying? with his real dad is really interesting if you ever seen yeah. that where his mom yeah. lied about 
what happened with his dad and he thought yeah he had... yeah that's some recent stuff that came out right yeah 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 really fucked up stuff you can kind of see I mean, people make, make that joke on fatherless behavior, but in a way, it kind of was literally true. With, That's literally what he was, yeah. Yeah, yeah what's happening I mean, with him. Yeah, and I think he started looking at Suge like a father figure or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't I don't think that he really... First of all, let's just say this. He died at 25. You know what I'm saying? That's 25 crazy is thing, cause really cause he felt, young. He, he felt older. You're right. Yeah. He was pretty young. Yeah. You know, so he's literally just a, an orphan of, you know his of the world you know what i'm saying he did his mom would spend a lot of time on drugs and then he comes out to the west coast and he still is looking for that home and when he gets to la it almost seemed like he knew especially at that time this is the mid 90s los angeles and not only is he in la he want to go to compton of all places so it's like he knew that that was an extreme level of where you got to put on you got to pretend and i'm not gonna call him a pretender but i don't know what else to call him you know what I'm saying? And he just picked the wrong thing to emulate. He picked yeah. the wrong thing to emulate. I mean, whenever you see him in a lot of clips, he had that problem that a lot of uh, black male celebrities have where they get an entourage of yes men. You know, yes. you always see these people hanging mm. around him that would be laughing at every joke. You can tell like, these are people who are just like, yo, we want to hang around him and pick up like the cast off hose. We want to, you know, I'll, I'll be the weed carrier. I'll be whatever. I just want to, um, you know, kind of uh, bask in this guy's shine. And um, a lot of people get sucked in by people like that. You know, I start really thinking, man, I really am that funny. I really am this, that. You got these people and those people are really gash your head this with stupid stuff. Yeah. And they'll be the first ones gone when it goes wrong. Yeah, because it seems yeah, like true. he's one of those people that uh, he had to, he was always trying to prove to someone who he was. So like we look, we talk about the situation that ended up getting him shot, which was the whole Orlando Anderson thing. Tupac shouldn't have been the one fighting. Oh, yeah. You're the fucking cash cow. You're the fucking rapper. What are you doing? But when he's with these people, he's got to he's got to emulate what he thinks they do. Now, me and Mario could tell you, I wouldn't even do that. I don't think Mario would do that. If you saw the dude, you wouldn't just all of a sudden just jump out the window, jumping on the dude like you want to be more strategic than that. You know what I'm saying? Towards he just jumped out the window on this dude, not realizing this motherfucker's a killer. Yeah. You're not yeah, realizing yeah. what you're I mean, dealing with. It, it depends, man, because back in those days, um, they used to, like out here, it, it used to be a culture. It still is in some ways, but they used to call it on site. So yeah. wherever we at, I don't give a fuck where, where we at. If I see specific individuals, it's on. We If we in church, we're going to tear it up. We call it tearing it up. We're going to tear the church up, right. meaning it's going to be a tussle. They ain't going to be able to break it up or it's going to be such a... a, a, a a disturbance that whatever's going on at the function is going to get shut down because it's right. not happening. You know what I mean? So, I mean, it kind of depends, man. Back then, that's just kind of how it was. Um, but Tupac, like you were saying, he didn't come from that. So everybody always says they have no idea why he would be the person who would initiate that kind of a conflict. Like he right. doesn't know the guy. Uh, he's not he's not from the neighborhood that they have beef with. Right. So there was really no reason for him to get him to involve himself in that. And he, he basically made himself a crash dummy. Yeah, trying exactly. to prove how brave exactly. he was. Like, right. Bro, that ain't that ain't your job. You 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 can't you and Suge are supposed to be the, the generals, the so to speak. You know what I mean? Like, why right. are you doing frontline work? You supposed to be in the back with Suge chilling. Right. Have, have you guys I have one theory, it's total um speculation or whatever, it's total armchair psychology. But have you guys ever seen the interview with him at 17? Mm -mm. Like, I'm convinced what is that, it, what did you say it was? 
Oh, was the interview at seventeen? Where oh, him sounds, as yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We sound super gay. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, where it's like <laughs> his voice oh. sounds super gay, and I'm not saying he was gay. I don't you know, no, I think he was, but I think he might have been a kind of uh, effeminate young guy. Yeah, and a lot of guys are kind of grow up a little bit effeminate, uh, and they get like you know uh, grief over it. They become bigger to overcompensating uh, later. You know what I mean? And I wonder. Cause hold on, I think I have a hold on. Let me pull it up. I think this should work. But I was very surprised when I heard him at seventeen. He sounded totally different. Like he definitely worked to push himself uh, up. Hold on. Are you rolling, Eddie? Okay. 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 My name is Tupac Shakur, and I attend Tampa High School. And I'm 17 years old. Do you like being 17? And it's like 17, such a weird age. It's such... You know what? The video. I'm gonna play with video because the video actually drives it home even more. Hold, hold on, because he's even making like uh, very sweet faces. See, he's making very sweet faces. Yeah, you you you'll see what <laughs> you'll, see, you'll see what I mean. You'll see what I mean, but you see it. It's it's and it's and it's like as it goes on, his voice progressively gets gayer. Huh? He has to see the screen, right? Wait, hold on. I, I've seen the interview before. I know exactly oh, what you're talking oh, about. Oh, you oh you see it? Oh, oh yeah, well, this is old. Yeah. Oh, so so I'm gonna play for for, for the audience because you know, in case people in the audience haven't haven't. Seen it. In the middle age, you're not 18 yet, and you're older than 16. But I like it. It's nice. It's like a learning stage for me. Do you wish you could be 18 and when you get some more rights? Well, 18 will bring lots of responsibilities that I don't want, but it'll bring respect that I feel like that's the only way I can get it. You see his hand right there. Be as mature as I can be and demand it wherever I can get it. But 18 is like. You're an adult. You, you like today when I had to sign the release form, I felt so bad because I couldn't sign it myself. I had to go and get my mother's and all that. But um, it sounds kind of like Paul Mooney's. It's just society's way of saying that you're ready when you. Get- yeah, and it's like just looking at it doesn't. I feel like do or just listening to it. I don't think does it justice. Like you have to like see it and hear it at the same time. But yeah, it, it always made me wonder if he was uh, somebody that kind of. Because he went to the performing arts school. He was a poet. Yeah. He yeah. did like um, dance, and it was like you know, I think kind of like the more lyrical kind of dance and everything. And um, I want to pull up some of his other interviews that he does with the uh, white platforms because I, I have a feeling that he kind of does this when he gets with those platforms. I want to, I want to, I want to compare it. You okay, know what I'm well, saying? Well, um, well, well, let me let me jump ahead a little bit uh, to this one, and because I feel like it gets a little more pronounced as it goes on living in anymore I, and it's 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 sad because i'm telling you and it's it should not be me telling you it's to be common knowledge aren't they wondering why um actually you know what they put the mtv one here's the mtv one i feel like he wasn't as Tell effeminate what? i don't think he was effeminate at all in this one but but here, here's him and with tabitha soren the one who's trying to say like she felt unsafe and he was she felt he was trying to sexually remember oh, i forgot out? about that i forgot yeah. all about that yeah, this plain, this plain Jane trying to talk about it. She that shit would have worked. That shit with social media, that shit would have worked too. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. if social media was around, and she said that, and she said like years after the fact, like you know, yeah. whatever. Well, anyway, here we go. Does Tupac Amaru Shakur mean? Okay, it means 
it, I was named after this Inca chief from South America whose name was Tupac Amaro, but it's a lot of people named Tupac Amaro. It's like a whole tribe named Tupac Amaro. So my mom named me after this Inca chief. And I think the tribal breakdown means like intelligent warrior, something like that. Yes, yes so to me, he kind of changed in a lot of eight years, but not anything wrong with that. You know, it's fine to everybody changes, you know. He grew he's up. Just, you can see he's grown up. Oh no, man. It seemed like he kind of let his guard down. Yeah, more with them than he does when he's talking to black public. Oh no, he no, he like, definitely did. But I still think he's more masculine with her than he was in that. Uh, really? Mm-hmm. I don't know. He kind of it's kind of the same to me. It's just it's more an older, more mature version, but maybe kind of the same to me. I I will maybe say that with the voice, but the mannerisms I think are much different in the first one. Like, well, I have to see him sit. It's also a different setting too, though. He's walking and talking with this girl. Um, as opposed to the other one where, you know, they're sitting down. He's in high he's school. Tab- he's talking with his hands and things like that. So I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, They say with light-skinned people, too. Like, I remember a lot of people who grew up like really light-skinned. They'd be super overcompensators when they, when they got... Really? Got old. I, I, I used to feel like that. Like, there are some people I feel like... Uh, People would think they were soft because they were light skinned and they would try to, like, you know, do real crash test dummy stuff just to kind of prove something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's still people like that, man. Like, it's like, come on, man. We grown. You don't have to do all that silly shit. But I, I think um, with him, I don't know, man. Some people say that he was adapting all these, adopting all these personas, man. But then other people, maybe, you know, maybe that's just who he was. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think maybe we give him, maybe we give him a little too much grief for for that maybe he was adapting into these in for out of survival it could be man like i mean the the adaptations could be sincere like he he might not be pretending but it is still weird that he would adopt it so sincerely like i think the changes could be weird even if they're sincere you know what i mean it's still i think so too yeah it's still odd for sure yeah you know what I mean? But like, I, as far as like, I, th- I still think there's a distinction to be made between someone who's purposely doing that and then somebody who, you know, that's just kind of who they are as a person. Yeah. You know, they got a lot of love for the people who, who they let into their lives on a personal level. And so, you know, maybe um, he feels like that's his way to express like, these are my people. So I'm a, I'm a move how they move. I'm wherever I'm at, I'm going to adopt to their, whatever's going on there to show that I respect it. And then not only am I going to adapt to it, I'm going to exceed what they do, you know, to, to extra prove myself. I mean, some yeah. people can't do anything you know what I'm saying? halfway. Yeah, no, totally. Some people can't do anything halfway. And I'm kind of one of those people, like, if I get a hobby, I'll get really into that hobby, mm-hmm. you know, or if, yeah. if I like you and I fuck with you, you know, I will um, go from, like, you know, having just met you to... Uh, <laughs> you know, hang out with you a lot. You right. know what I mean? So I get, I get Ooh. it to a, I get it to a uh, degree. An extent. Yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. And, but then a lot of times with people who, uh, cause I got a friend like that, man, this guy, he, when he puts his mind to doing something, he, he dives all the way in, man. But the thing is, is that when he gets it, it doesn't last long. Yeah. So it burns it. It itself out. It's hard to maintain. <laughs> right. He devotes so much to it that he just, uh, he's ready to move on to the next thing. You know Yeah, I totally had that problem. That's why I had to like slow down. On, oh, is that right? Like, oh yeah. Cause I, I, I started realizing I can't get into things too heavy because then I make myself like sick of them. Or I burn, burn out on it, you know? Mm. Uh, 
Yeah, so yeah, no, I, I, I knew exactly you were going to say that because I, I used to have the same problem. <laughs> my boy, he, he's, he's like that, man. I remember um, he bought a house in Arizona and uh, he took up landscaping for a little while, man. He did his own landscaping at his house that he bought. And then he started doing everybody's landscaping. People were paying, but he, he made really good money doing it. And then one day he just was tired of it and over it and he stopped his business. You know what I'm saying? And then yeah. another time he got into uh, photography and videography. He he opened up, he actually opened up a business and he was doing weddings and everything. And then he burnt out from that. He went to school. He went to like, he, he took classes oh, wow. and everything, man. And got a, yeah. And, and became a professional uh, photographer and videographer. And then he threw that down. It was like, God damn, bro. Like what? what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, something I, stick to it, man. Like, like, like I had a friend who um, is worse than me. And when I got into uh, boxing, I was telling him, you know, you got to get into boxing. It'll um, get you in good shape because I was like burning like 500, 600 calories, like in 45 minutes. I'm like, yo, this is the truth. Plus, you're going to learn a skill. So he's like, yo, my gym has a boxing trainer, you know, um, I'm going to give it a try. And this is like, you know, I was older and, you know, I had, you know, learned from my ways and I try not to get too into things anymore. So I was going to boxing like once a week and then practicing on my own like once or twice a week. But I wasn't going overboard because, you know, I was like, I don't want to like do make myself sick of it but uh he's worse than me at my worst so he went and took a boxing class and then he's like yeah um i'm gonna fight this year i was like what damn oh shit and, and like he liked the boxing so much and while he was doing it the guy told him if you want you know i could set up a a match with you you know they have like um older people boxing for like you know guys in the 30s and 40s you know if you want to uh do that and it's, it's not like you're you know you're in a real professional circuit it's just almost like a uh hobbyist type of league but but you know they have things where they're kind of like um little circuits or leagues of boxing i was like they have that he goes and the trainer's like yeah i could set you up i could find a guy i'm like is he gonna find like, some crackhead or something he's like no he's gonna he's gonna find i want to make sure he wasn't getting signed up for some bum fights or something he's like no this is a real deal and uh he started trading to um fight somebody i was i was like okay it's, i i wasn't expecting that to happen i was thinking damn something happens to this guy his family's gonna be mad at me because he got into boxing because I, I get i put it in his head knowing how he is but uh he ended up um losing interest before it happened so but i was like surprised yeah, I was, like, man he lost interest right before he was getting ready to actually fight somebody well what happened what happened is the trainer uh that wasn't his full time being a boxing trainer. So the trainer was always like missing um, dates and everything. Mm. And then I think that gave him time to lose the momentum. Because I think people I like that, they that. have to have the momentum constantly going to be, you know, to get to the burnout stage. And I think if uh, something yeah. happens, they throw it off. So he's like getting frustrated. The guy would just keep canceling dates or whatever. And, I and see uh, that. yeah, and then he ended up uh, just kind of um, getting re into work and everything and just kind of uh, dropped it. I think maybe it gave him time to think, too. And he was like, you know, what am I doing? Why, <laughs> why am I going to fight somebody? I could just yeah. I could just train. I got, I got maybe I don't have to do this. Sure, sure. I want to talk about whole, the, the the whole um, scene behind it, how everyone ended up, uh, how the streets kind of end up taking care of itself. Because that kind of really was interesting to me when you guys were talking about that. Because I don't even know all the West Coast politics, but I was like kind of fascinating how everybody's just yeah. kind of done. The police didn't have to do anything. Okay, so oh man, this is this goes back. Okay, so the origins of this whole thing, um, we know Tupac came from where he came from. And then let me talk to you about like how Compton was at the time. 
this is kind of like L.A. County, period. But, but we're going to speak about Compton in particular. At that time, um, Compton was was not anywhere near as um, there weren't as many factions like as they are now. So in Compton, it was all most of the Crip gangs used to all get along. They were called the CC Riders. They that all of them used to get along. And then um, in Compton, the Pyrus, which are which which you know are like the Bloods, they used to all get along. This was in the '90s, and so what ended up happening was Suge Knight grew up in a certain area and knew certain dudes, but he himself wasn't an active, wasn't a really a gangbanger. He just kind of grew up in the area area and knew all the dudes and you know so when suge started going big in the music industry um he started bringing in guys that he grew up with from his from that area and they were helping him out you know with security and things like that and then everybody knows the story he kind of muscled his way in and bullied his way into the actual music business as an executive producer he didn't really produce shit he's kind of put the money up and so what ended up happening man he got all this money death row started blowing up and he was able to kind of like make his own little private army, so to speak, of, of real gang members, you know, certified dudes, people that been to prison, shot people, the whole nine. Um, now, on the other side of that are the Crips in Compton, and they're kicking back, noticing what's going on with with uh, all these bloods getting money with Suge and stuff like that. They're like, OK, so then. um they start blowing up. Things start escalating because you can't keep the street politics outside. You can't. It just doesn't work mixing street business with legitimate business. Eventually, the shit's just going to get sloppy. So everywhere they would wait, go, wait, they would I'm, I missed some of what you said. I don't know if you recorded. Ken, did you hear? It kind of blanked lose? out for a second. Oh yeah, it kind of blanked out. Oh damn. Uh, so so the last thing I heard was you can't mix the street business with uh, legitimate business. It's all going to kind of spill over, and then it blanked out for a, a bit. Okay, right. So the problem that they always have is trying to mix street shit with legitimate business. It's just not going to work because these guys don't have the mentality of a, of a, of an actual business person. They don't have the patience of a business person. So it was always inevitably going to fail, right? So um, while all this is going on, there's actually little street beefs going on in the city of Compton itself, right? This is gang banging. All this stuff goes back to the 70s, right? So you got guys trying to do business and then gang banging on the side and things like that. People from their neighborhoods will call them up, say, hey, man, we got beef with these dudes. This is what's going on. Pookie just got shot. We got to go get back at them. Right? So they're still trying to maintain the street shit while they're doing business, right? But now they got a little money behind them. So, you know, they can kind of up the ante a little bit. So... What ends up happening is um, the first wave of Bloods, which was there's a guy named Mob James, right? You guys heard that name before? Absolutely, I, I haven't. Okay, Mob James was uh, Mob James was from a, a, a neighborhood called Mob High Roof, and so um, he was and, one and, of the. I'm gonna cut off. You don't want to cut you off, Mario, but for the listeners, if you ever hear uh, Tupac, he always talk about Mob. Right, Mob was surrounding was the with. was the Pyru neighborhood that that. Uh, Tupac fell in fell in with my, the Ma Pyrus. And the one of the one of one of the more respected members of Ma Pyru was a dude named Mob James. All right. So but Mob James, even though he was, you know, he was a violent dude, he but he was a more level headed member 
of that particular set of Pyru Bloods. What ended up happening was Mob James had a falling out with Suge Knight over money and stuff like that. So he ended up just falling to the wayside and, and kind of stepping out of the limelight and going and doing his own thing. So in his place stepped in his younger brother, right? He had a younger brother named Buntry. Now, Buntry and his people were much more violent, much more aggressive than the original members that Suge and I had with him, okay? So they were more willing to go do whatever Suge's little bidding was at any given time. So Suge said, go with these people's ass, go do this, go do that. Those dudes were anxious to go and do it because they were far more aggressive and violent than the original people. Even, that even if that means beating down their own artists. Because there's right. been a lot of stories right. about that going on at Death Row Studios. Exactly. So that's where you start hearing all the stories about, you know, this guy got his ass whooped. Somebody got stripped butt naked and, and kicked right. out of the office butt naked at death row and all that kind of stuff. That was those dudes doing that type of shit. Um, you hear stories about people getting beat to death at concerts and shit like that. Yeah. Um, those were that was those dudes doing that shit. Yeah. OK. So by the time Tupac came along, let me let me back up a little bit. There's two people. There's kind of like two phases of death row the beginning phase which was um the deep cover soundtrack that was like their first big move and then there was the chronic and then doggy style though that was like the first half of the death row phase death row began the transition when that new wave of bloods came in this just just so kind of coincides around the time the murder was the case soundtrack well actually what was the name of that movie with Tupac? Above the Rim. Above the Rim. They did the Above the Rims. Remember that movie? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The basketball movie. So, excuse me. Tupac started kind of getting involved with Death Row a little bit around the time of the Above the Rim movie. And um, Death Row artists were were doing music for that soundtrack. And then by the between then and the Murder Was the Case movie or, you know, mini movie slash soundtrack is when Death Row kind of like started going through it the second phase where it became much more violent, much more aggressive, this, that, and the third. Um, Tupac came along right after the murder was the case thing, right? And then when he came along, that was right after the whole shit with the Source Awards. You guys remember that infamous uh, award yeah. ceremony where Suge Knight hopped on stage with well, Snoop first. He first. Dr. Dre was getting an award. The, the the crowd wasn't really feeling them. Snoop snatched the mic from Dre, did his little, you know, y'all don't love us. Right. Well, fuck it, whatever he was saying. Then Suge Knight got up on stage and said what he said. And he said, yeah, we got two Pac. We riding with him. And nobody, people didn't know that Pac at the time was getting ready to get out and sign with Death Row. Yeah. So he gets bailed out of jail or however that went, joins Death Row. Boom. Everything just takes off like crazy from there. Right. So you got all these dudes starting little shit all over Los Angeles County. Uh, the dude that they killed at a concert, he wasn't even from Compton. He was from South Central. He was from Rolling 60. That caused the issue. Yes. Um, they start moving all over L.A. just like they own the whole territory. So this was pissing a lot of people off. Right. And so Tupac comes and out of, out of nowhere, he starts all this shit with Biggie Smalls, with Biggie and Puffy. Right. Nobody even really was tripping off of that like that. And then he comes and he starts talking crazy about these dudes. Right. So um, I'm losing my train of thought right now. Um, well, you're forgetting one part. So there's a part that plays in right in between there. When Tupac gets out of prison, out of jail, uh, Suge bails him out. You got to remember a lot of the 
Biggie Smalls Tupac stuff was there, but it was exacerbated when Big Jake from Capanella Park got killed. That's that's Suge's best friend. He gets killed by uh, Puffy's bodyguard, Wolf. So now, okay, Puffy, so was that was that before Pac? I think I think that's right before Tupac got out of jail. Okay, so Suge had already had issues with them. Yes, and then when Pac got out, that kind of just they just kind of okay. I got okay. I missed that. I didn't know when when Jake had got killed. Well, hold I don't on, know. You know I what? Let me let me look Wolf and see. Did. Let me look. Let me look. I'm wrong. Keep going. That's later. That's later. Okay, yeah, because I thought when Jake got killed, it was like in the heat of the, all that shit. Yeah, this is not, well, Jake got killed in 2003, so this is a little bit later. Oh, yeah, this is that's way after. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, um, the beef accelerates, right? Because it was all remember, it was already simmering by the time the Source Awards happened. Um, and, and Pac wasn't involved in that at all. It was already tension between East Coast and West Coast because the West Coast artists were kind of like getting a lot of shine at that time. Right. You know, hip hop was going through a transition. You even had like Outkast blowing up during that time. I think they got booed at the Source Awards too. Now that I'm thinking about it, I they think did. They, uh, they did. They, That's they, when they, they said the South got something to say. Yeah. Right. 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 That's exactly right. And so, um, um, so, oh man, where am I? Where am I? Um. And, and I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I was looking at an update. Uh, Big Jake got killed in 1995. 1995. Okay. 1995. So that, was, that was part of what. what That's right in the heat of all of that. that whole thing. Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense then why Suge was so invested in that whole situation. Yes. Now, that was not in Los Angeles. That was at a party. Was it in my. I want to say. Was it, it was in, in Atlanta? Or was it, it, was it was in Atlanta. Atlanta. Okay. Yeah. So you got all these dudes. They're trying to maintain street beefs. And gang banging, but at the same time trying to be security guards and enforcers for Suge Knight. Right. So um, essentially what they did was they became mercenaries. Right. So they not able they weren't able to just maintain loyalty to their hood. They Their loyalty was to Suge Knight. Period. Right. right. Because Suge was you know, paying their salaries. They're making more money than they ever had in their lives. They had access to more bad women than they ever had in their lives. Suge was, you know, letting these dudes drive all these cars and everything like that. And so, um, you know, they were living life high on the hog. And then you had a bunch of other dudes that were beneath them that were like, hey, man, let me get in on that. You know, these dudes wanted to get in on it, too. And they, they weren't able to do it. You know what I mean? So it was sparking a lot of jealousy Animosity, in yeah. those neighborhoods. Yeah. Like that. Right. And so meanwhile, on the East Coast, you know, there's three. They say there's three places that you have to go to if you're big in hip hop. You got to go to New York. You got to go to. Well, now you got to go to Atlanta. And you absolutely have to come to Los Angeles when you got a project you drop in, whatever. Los Angeles was considered like one of the music capitals of the world. So you got to come to L.A. So they knew that, um, you know, Suge and them had all those bloods on their side. So it, what Puffy and Big did was they fell in line with some Compton Crips. Right. The opposite of the Compton Pyrus, who at the time, you know, they still all had beef with each other. Bloods didn't beef with Bloods. Crips didn't really beef with Crips. That was how it was at that particular point in time. Now it's totally different. You got Pyrus that are cool with Crips, but not cool with other Pyrus. Yeah. You got yeah. Crips that are cool with it, but they're not cool with other Crips. It wasn't like that at that particular point in time. All the violence was still Crip against Blood, Blood against Crip. So Puffy, um, when they come to Los Angeles to do their thing, they start using Crips as security guards, you know, and not just any Crips. They're using Crips that actually have real beef with these dudes from from Compton, with the Pyrus from Compton. 
right? So you can only imagine that <laughs> it's going to be some huge problems. When and then there's money time. involved with, with all this money involved. There's not there's money involved, but then there's also historic beef involved. Yeah. So it goes beyond that. See, if it was just money involved, you could control it and kind of contain it. But when it's when it's when it goes deeper than money, when you see a dude that that motherfucker shot my cousin, you know what I mean? That's that's what type of time these dudes were on. Man, this dude shot my cousin in 1990. And now he over here working for Suge. Oh, hell no. You know what I mean? It was that right, type of right, shit. Right. Right. So um, little things like that. Um, Big Jake getting killed by one of Puffy's associates, you know, Puffy hiring Crips to work security for him, da 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 da. That all just kind of like fan the flames, right? So there were little pot shots happening, and Tupac joins this shit. It goes into overdrive. Um, Tupac jumps into a situation because the rumor is no one can confirm whether or not this is true. The rumor was that sh- that Puffy put a bounty out on Death Row Chains. Y'all know you guys have all heard that before. Yes, right? and it's he- funny. It's funny you say that because that that's the reason why I was thinking to myself, there's a possibility that that Puff might get indicted. And behind this dude, because the, the rumor is Puff put the bounty on the chain, a hundred thousand dollar bounty. They see Trayvon Lane in the mall. They jump him, snatch the chain, and inside the MGM. That's when Trayvon Lane whispers, whis, uh, listen, um, whispers to Tupac, "That's the dude that stole my chain." Right, and that's that, why the, that's, the, the fight happened. Right, there, there's all kinds of. They say it's a hundred thousand dollars. I heard it was ten thousand dollars per chain. Yada yada. Right. yada. But basically, right. you got a group of people that already hate these dudes already. Right, they're right. causing beef all throughout Los Angeles, not just in their little section of Compton. Now they're moving all through Los Angeles with no opposition, basically. Right, so. When that bounty came out, dudes was like, oh, shit, okay, yeah, that's that's perfect. You know, so they took the opportunity. Bam, they snatched uh, this dude. He was a member of the Pyrus named uh, Trayvon Lane. They snatched his chain at the Lakewood Mall. Lakewood is a little suburb in between Los Angeles, Compton, and Long Beach. Right there in the midst of, like, Compton and Long Beach, there's this little city called Lakewood. Lakewood is one of those little in-between cities where people who are gang members kind of like slide through there to, you know, when they want to take a break, <laughs> they kind of slide through there. They used to be when they want to call time out. <laughs> yeah. 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 You would think it's like a neutral ground or some shit. Right. So they caught that dude Trayvon and it, it was not uncommon to run into some enemies because, you know, you got one dude from one neighborhood, he's trying to lay low and, and do some shopping. And you got some other dudes from another neighborhood. They're trying to lay low and do some shopping at the mall, and then they run into each other, and it's the same shit from Compton, but now it's in Lakewood. Right. So they jump this dude, take his chain. We all know how that played out. Um, like you said, Ken, Pac tells his... I mean, he tells Pac, that's the motherfucker that stole my chain. They go, jump the dude, and then they don't know... Well, Pac doesn't know that they're jumping a dude that's a known hitter, right? Yeah. He's known yeah. as somebody in the streets that has a... We call it a reputable... So when you have somebody that's a reputable, that's a that's like a real dude that, you know, he's he's put in work. He's done violence to people the whole nine. So uh, Pac didn't know who they were dealing with. But the 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 the, the pie rules that was with Pac should have known that they knew, you yeah. know, they knew who that dude was. But nobody warned Tupac and told him, hey, man, that dude, he's like a real killer, man. Don't don't do that so Pac goes does what he does and everybody knows how that whole situation played out Pac is killed right now 
here's where it gets here's where all hell breaks loose right so when tupac got killed he was so beloved out here on the west coast especially in la at that time that not only did it cause beef in compton but you had gangs from other neighborhoods that are not even in compton going to la i mean going into compton and just doing drive-by shooting after drive-by shooting on the neighborhood that um dude was from south side compton crib they're like so, the biggest so gang. they weren't even trying to find specific people they were just lighting up the neighborhood it was just it was just a green light on the south side Ooh. compton cribs period like they weren't they were looking for specific people but because they couldn't find those specific people they would just get whoever they they could get you know what oh, i mean but, it was but like you said that. It to be in a gang like they weren't just shooting total if you even look like you were from a gang oh, at that gotcha. point it was open it was open season on gotcha. everybody that even lived over there you know what i mean so even people who you didn't even have to be a gang member you just somebody walking to the store it was so hot at that time you were getting shot like it was just that's just how it was at the time you know um so there's a lot of um underground activity going on at that time because the south side compton cribs were known as one of the neighborhoods that had a lot of dope money and stuff like that they had a connection you know and they had a lot of dope and stuff in that neighborhood and so that started really kind of like messing up the flow of drugs and cash through that neighborhood and a lot of people who relied on them to get you know to to make money they started their pockets started hurting so a lot of dudes started resorting to to all kinds of crazy tactics in order to to compensate for the money that they were losing because that whole little war was going on so all kinds of other shit started happening that was not directly related to the shooting of the murder of tupac but it was a result of um it was like a collateral result of the act of how can i say it's like a damn injunction was on that neighborhood and because there was an injunction going on um people had to resort to other means to get their money right so people were getting set up robbed uh people were you know setting up fake drug deals and running off with money all types of shit so then there was a spew of shootings and murders that resulted from that right right and so eventually over the years like everybody that was directly involved in those in the tupac situation ended up getting killed yeah even uh orlando anderson got killed even the, the guy who was, who's alleged to have been the the yeah. trigger man behind the murder of Pac, he ended up dying in a drug deal yeah in a drug they deal didn't get bad. him they were looking to get him but they yeah. didn't they weren't able to get him yeah but eventually, he got killed by some other crips he got killed by some other crips because yeah. he he started preying on other crips because at that time like i was saying remember i said there was a lot of collateral damage that happened as a result of that shit. so somebody owed him some money that was from a crip neighborhood that they got along with and he went there and shot the dude which started a whole nother beat right with another neighborhood that they were friendly with right pocket hood compton crips i think yes. that's who it was yeah. yeah so now they don't get along with the south side compton crips because of that shit where they still before, don't to they this all day. Got along. right um and so when we were talking about like a bunch of people that died as a result of that war of that situation those are some of the things that that i was talking about when i said like it wasn't just the Tupac situation that that damaged a lot of what Death Row had going on, but it was also a lot of underground activity that got damaged as a result and a lot of personal 
long-term relationships that people had with each other that got destroyed as a result of all that bullshit that was going on and yeah. to top that off suge was having people well this is the this is the rumor suge was having people that were close to puffy targeted for murder i think puff lost a couple of close friends um you know that were visiting out here to the los angeles area i'm trying to think what is that dude's name man he was he was close to puffy and he ended up getting killed um behind that shit and he didn't have nothing he was supposed to be a good dude but he ended up getting killed um behind that whole situation and so just like over the years man from the from the time Pac got killed to about 2003 2004 you just start seeing all these dudes dropping like flies everybody yeah, you know, that was involved directly it's so it's so bad that even so when tupac got killed there's always you know the conspiracy starts where people say you know tupac usually wears his bulletproof vest he didn't even wear it that night right and look at the picture of tupac right before the shooting happened because it was some he girl looks like, he looks like he's worried about something yeah <laughs> yeah 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 you know it's crazy you know how um i'm from the hood and, and you know mario from the hood man so you know how things happen right and if you've been in certain places when things happen and you see it happen, you'd be like, damn, I can't believe it happened that way. If you right. look at the way Tupac was shot, he really got shot by happenstance. They right. just happened to run into them. And I've seen the interview with Keefe D and he said that they didn't even know that that was Tupac in the car. They only knew because it, it was some girls in another car screaming Tupac's name. So mm. it's not, it's, this is the night of the Tyson fight. You know, Tyson fight back then. I mean, shit. I mean, man, that was like a, crazy. a holiday. It's like the Super Bowl, you know? Right. And it's back-to-back -back traffic, and these dudes are coming from a side street getting into traffic. They see the girls yelling Tupac's name, and they see Tupac and them in the car, and they're literally able to shoot at the car from three feet away because the car is right next to them, right? Crazy. Now, that's not the crazy part. The crazy part is the car behind Tupac is carrying one of the bodyguards. His name is Frank, Frank Alexander. It's carrying Gaddafi, one of the members of the Outlaws, is carrying somebody else and there's a car behind that car that's got a lot of the pyro members who play you know bodyguard with death row all of them are dead frank alexander's dead Gaddafi is dead everybody inside that car that was behind them because they, they that was the car that chased after the cadillac shooting at them they're all dead that's crazy man when you like, think about how crazy that is that's that, what is the coincidence it's it's almost too much to be a coincidence it's too it's too good to be true and the only people that are alive right now is suge puff and keefe d and suge already Reggie. came on tmz and said he's not getting on the stand and testifying against nobody you forgetting about shit. reggie oh yeah reggie Wright. reggie Wright. reggie Wright is still alive yeah. oh that's another piece of the puzzle i forgot to uh to mention as well Reggie White was a former police officer. I think I think at the time when he was working for Shug, he was a police officer. He yeah. was an off-duty police officer. Yeah. And he would do a lot of security work. And he ended up becoming like a dirty cop. And a lot of people suspect that he was doing hits for Shug yeah. at a certain point in time. Uh, because it got to the point where, where a lot of the pyrus that Shug had working for him were starting to get pissed off with him. Right. So Shug, you know used uh reggie and those police officers as a way to regulate the pyro members that were up under him that were becoming disgruntled right oh there's a whole nother set of murders that happened as a result of all that shit too damn man this you guys are bringing back so much stuff that i missed all right y'all so that is the end of part one go to again patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks or click the link in the show notes to get part two be good.